Hello, good morning, and welcome to Line One, your health connection. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Work experience while in high school is one of the top predictors of employment success after high school for youth experiencing disabilities. The Division of Vocational Rehabilitation has a robust summer work program helping 200 disabled youths across 17 sites in Alaska. This is a great resource for the youth, their parents, and for Alaskan employers. Today on Line One, we are going to explore the opportunities of this program with representatives from around the state. Please give us a call toll-free statewide, 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433. Or email us at line one at alaskapublic.org. Well, I'm happy to have some wonderful guests with us today. I'm going to start with uh, Jim Crutchman. Jim, welcome to line one. Oh, thank you. Jim, I want to give you the opportunity um, to uh, give us a program overview, um, kind of the you know, the overall overarching what this program is before we get into the the details. All righty. So we've been doing our summer work program, and that's the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. I'll just refer to it as DVR, uh, make it a little easier. Uh, so DVR has been doing a summer work program here in the state since 2017. So this is going to be, this summer will be our sixth year operating summer work. And we've grown from two programs up to 17. So what DVR does is fund school districts and community agencies. Example would be like the ARC up in uh, Anchorage uh, that work with people with disabilities and fund them to run a program to put kids into the community working, having paid work experience. Fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's the key there is that they're getting paid, um, which is a, a great way for them to to experience how to, you know, succeed in the future with employment. Um, so, uh, Jim, you know, let's take the uh, opportunity now to introduce yourself, sort of uh, what your role is in this program and how you got involved in this work. Okay, I'm the Youth Transition Coordinator for the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. Um, I, uh, under the law that we operate under, the uh, Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, DVR has to set aside 15% of its budget, that's $1.5 million here in Alaska, to work with students who have disabilities to help them transition from high school to work. And so that's pretty much what my job is, is developing projects and working with uh, organizations like Sierra's and Zuli's that you'll hear about today to implement these programs statewide. Got it. So you're the, you're the coordinator and the money man. Yep, that's it. I write the check. <laughs> okay, um, we have Sierra Jimenez on the show. Please, um, um, Sierra, I'd like to give you the opportunity to 
to tell a little bit about yourself, what your role is, uh, where you are, and, and how you got involved in this. Great. Um, thanks for having me. My name is Sierra Jimenez, and um, I work for Southeast Alaska Independent Living. And we have uh, four summer work programs throughout Southeast Alaska. And uh, did you say how I got involved in this? Um, yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, I've been working um, for sale for many years and working with people with disabilities. And I would say employment just always rises to the top for people's needs and um, and have been working closely with uh, DBR for years. And there's just a, been a real need for this program. So when it became available, we jumped on it. And we've been it's been growing in Southeast ever since. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. And then um, we have Zuli Petrie on the line. Um, Zuli, where are you calling in from and what's your role? How'd you get involved? Sure. I'm Zuli Petrie and I'm a special ed teacher for Lower Kuskokum School District in Bethel. And um, I originally got involved, I was asked by another teacher who was also coordinating um, the summer work program here to join her. I was doing some other work with DVR and she liked the contacts that I had um, the summer before. I helped her line up some employers, and she asked me to come on. And there's actually been two of us here doing this for the last four years, although our district has participated in Jim's program now for six years. But we've continued to grow every year. That's great. And how many different um, um, programs are you or sites are you involved in in the lower Kuskokwim? So we're all based out of Bethel. Um, our, our district is rather large, and all of our sites are work sites here. Um, nine, ten. I think we have 11 sites so far this summer. We've had up to 15 different sites, but based on employer needs and student interest, um, we went with 11 different work sites this year. Wow, that's wonderful. Okay, well... Um, you know, let's let's get into the the nuts and bolts of these programs. Um, I just want to give our listeners another uh, heads up that if they wanted to call in with program questions for our guests uh, guests statewide, eight 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 three five three five seven five two, Anchorage five five zero eight four three three, or email me line one. That's o n e at alaskapublic.org. Um, Jim, I mentioned it in, in the opening of the show, but tell me a little bit about how many youths, how many kids this is serving, and, and where they are. Well, like I mentioned earlier, we started back in 2017 with two programs. I think we had a total of uh, 20 students uh, that first summer, and since then uh, we've grown. Uh, now this year we'll, be ha- we'll have 17 different sites around the state, and we anticipate uh, having 200 kids uh, enrolled. Uh, We've had, I guess, for the last three years, well, 2020 with COVID, we dropped down to about 143, uh, but now we're we're back up to our uh, around 200. Okay, so pretty pretty consistent um, year to year, and if you had to estimate the ballpark, like where's the is it pretty evenly distributed throughout the state, or it sounds like out there in Bethel, there's a there's a good group of them. 
Well, we it, it, it really just depends on the size of the community, uh, how much an organization wants to get into things. Uh, we, we operate in Nome. We have, right now, there's 36 students enrolled in the program in Nome, like Suli said. I think she'll have about 36, too. Uh, and then Anchorage, two programs there. Together, they'll have probably near uh, 50 students. Uh, then we have a lot of smaller communities, uh, like Sierra said, she has, uh, she's over four different programs here in Southeast, so that's Sitka, Ketchke, and Haynes, and Juneau. So the populations there, the, the programs kind of mirror the populations. They're small. We also have Cordova School District runs a small program. Um, Kind of think. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, it really is spread throughout the entire state. It is. We, we do cover uh, a great area. And I'm, you know, I, I love to see uh, rural communities like Bethel and Nome, uh, Cordova, you know, involved in stuff like this. Usually we associate the, these kind of pro- programs with the urban areas, but we really have made a concerted effort to reach out in rural areas. Absolutely. Um, Zuli, I wanted to to ask you as one of the one of the um, representatives here with a larger group. What is the, what kind of disabilities are are you working with with these youths? What are the the common things or um, that you guys are seeing? Um, we have children that struggle academically, um, but as well as we have a high number of students with various emotional or behavior disorders or anxiety, depression. Um, We have had kids with low vision or hearing issues, um, hearing aids. I think the thing that is unique about our program is we really try to match up the student's strengths and interests with their job site. Um, For example, we have a student with us right now who suffers from anxiety and depression and insomnia. And we've changed her job once and the new job, although she suggested it and thought she would love it, is just not working out. So we have come up with alternatives for her and are pleased that one of our employers is offering some extreme flexibility. And so we'll be able to offer her to move to a thrift store, volunteer run thrift store and work at the thrift store on the days that she is able and capable of working. So um, that's one thing that we don't turn any disability away. Some require a little more flexibility and maneuvering than others. Some are just hit the ground running. But we really try to support our kiddos regardless of what the exceptionality is. Okay. And um, Jim, I wanted to just uh, take a step back real quick and mention the criteria, if you could, for um, for the students, um, you know, not just being disabled, but there is some minor criteria, age and, and schoolwork that are involved with getting them enrolled, right? That's true. Um, transition is a term used in schools for kids with disabilities. We've probably heard of individualized education plans, the IEPs that kids with disabilities in schools uh, have. And and in Alaska, that's 16 to 21. And so that's really our our target group. 
but we have lowered that age to 14 because you, you just can't start too early building skills. And 14 being the legal age to work, we thought we'll just we'll aim our program even lower and, and be open uh, to more kids. Uh, now, you don't have to have an IEP to participate, really. It, it's, you know, because a lot of times, like Zuli was mentioning, depression and anxiety are usually not something a school is going to have an IEP for because that would be, uh, it doesn't really interfere with their ability to learn, but it does, it's going to affect their ability to hold employment later. And so we're really, a lot wider than what the uh, regulations want us to target. We we see the needs out there, especially with COVID, the amount of kids that have been affected, you know, with the lockdowns and away uh, from their friends and, and, and out in the public, you know, this real need to be able to expand our definition <clears throat> to meet the needs that are out there. Okay, so right now, uh, age um, is 14 to 21. Right, and still enrolled in school. Okay, and and that's true of many students uh, are enrolled, still enrolled in high school or further education after 18, right, with, with disabled youth? Right, in Alaska, they can go to school up, up till their 22nd birthday. Okay, excellent. Well, um, Sierra, in our, in our pre-call... Um, we had a nice conversation about uh, the types of skills involved. Uh, these are both soft skills and hard skills. And I wanted to see if you could enlighten our listeners a little bit on, um, you know, all the work that goes involved with um, these students, these youths, prior to them ever even, you know, being employed. And so um, would you mind going through that a little bit? You bet. Um Right, talking like the soft skills versus the hard employment skills. Yeah, what are yeah, the hard skills, our, and then yeah. what are the soft skills, and what are you guys teaching them? Right. So part of the program, before they can even begin working, um, is to really talk about what's gonna, what soft skills, what skills do you need to be successful in your job. And they're often just overlooked but so simple, such as... Um, using a telephone and calling and talking to adults or, call, you know, talking to your supervisor that maybe texting isn't appropriate and, you know, um, how you introduce yourself, um, looking people in the eye. There's, um, you know, teamwork, collaboration, what's appropriate work, you know, dress and behavior. And we do a lot of repetition around those skills and just, you know, how to be successful at work before someone even starts work. And then again, throughout the program, we revisit um, so many, so many soft skills um, all along the way. And then hard skills, of course, can be as simple as like, you know, sometimes some of these youth haven't ever picked up a shovel, but yet their job placement is in, you know, parks. And so it's like, literally how do you how do you use a shovel effectively um yeah so that's that's the difference i guess when i'm talking about soft skills versus hard skills but boy it's those soft skills that are so critical and so important um to for their success yeah i mean i and can really, really see confidence. that yeah um you're right confidence these are things simple things that you know 
Maybe it's implied, um, but I don't know. I mean, this probably happens in in youth that aren't disabled too. I mean, the the texting and the and the eye contact, but just shaking hands or reaching out. Hey, I'm going to be late for this reason, not just not showing up. Um, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Good. And then, so how much training do they get before they they get employed? I think every program is different. The uh, gym requires uh, at least 15 hours before they start. Or actually, that's not true, is it, Jim? That's what we do. Um, uh, Jim, go ahead. You can comment if you like. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the program requires uh, an initial five hours of instruction and then 10 hours over the course of the four- to six-week program. Uh, to be able to come back and do reflective learning. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, what we're looking for is those kids to come back and go, hey, you know, I took yesterday off and the employer got mad. And then the kids to be able to talk, you know, through that kind of thing. Well, what could you have done to keep them from, from getting mad? But really, that's that initial five hours. I mean, employers, you know, I'm with the Department of Labor, and employers have told us for years and years, what we need is people with good, soft skills. You know, we'll train them on the hard skills, how to use a cash register, how to use that shovel. But we need people to be able to show up on time, be polite, smell good. And and so we really, we don't want to put a student in a business until they have a basic understanding of what those soft skills are and how to get along on the work site. So how do you guys teach that? And any, okay. any, anyone can answer. I just, um, I mean, how, how do you teach that? I can, you know, it's hard enough for, okay, I have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. It's hard enough for me to teach the soft skills to them not being disabled. How are, how are you guys able to do this? This is Sierra. Um, I'll jump in. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll start with Sierra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned handshaking, and I one of my favorite classes I ever did was we did role playing, and we, as a group, we all talked about handshaking and the importance. And of course, they were giggling and laughing, and how silly is this? And we just kind of ran down the line and talked about a handshake, and they practiced with each other, and then we did a job site tour. And I, you know, gave the the manager there a heads up that I that every student was going to shake their hand and they had to run through it for real at a at a employer's, um, and it was great. Good. So, so role playing, yeah, that's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zuli, you had a, a comment, maybe. Yeah, the way our program works is we do a full day of training prior to. Um, them stepping foot on their job site. And within our training, we also do field trips to various employers. Some of our employers require an application, so we teach our kids how to fill out an application. Some require an interview. They want to meet and speak with the youth before they work there. Um, And so we kind of get a feel for the kids and an employer, what they're looking for, and say, these are your most likely candidates if the kids are good with the placement. And then through our um, field trips, we have them speak with the managers, make sure it's a good fit. And then I think, you know, what's important is throughout our trainings, every week, um, my my, um, 
work program partner, Delilah and I, we do role playing. We incorporate videos. We have set PowerPoints that are our shell that we are constantly adding to every year. We're adding more and more. We also have the kids sign a contract um, and then um, we we um, have them go over it every time. And then we teach them um, different skills that they need, not just work, classroom, but in life. One of the things that my partner came up with is something called slant. And it's something that is specifically um, taught, that's explicit instruction. And slant means sit up, lean in, ask and answer questions, nod and track the person as they're moving and they speak, they're speaking. So we incorporate lots of things. We take employer feedback every week and maybe it's somebody's on their phone texting. And we don't isolate that one person. We teach all of the kids because the fact of the matter is they need to see and hear it more than once. Sometimes by the end of the summer, some of our kids are still struggling and we love it when they come back the next summer and we can pick up with the same skills from the previous summer and really and truly see that growth. We've had, you know, some amazing mini successes over the years and some really big ones that hopefully later in the program we'll be able to get into. Yeah, I would love to share some of the success stories. Um, for now, we're going to take our first uh, short break. You're listening to Line 1, your health connection. If you have a question or a comment for our guests today, call us statewide, 888-353-5752. or in Anchorage at 550-8433-550-8433. After the short break, we will continue our discussion on the DVR Summer Work Program. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. On June 11th, Alaska will have the first round of a special election to fill the open seat in Congress. Every Alaskan voter will receive a ballot in the mail. In the June 11th primary, you can only vote for one person. The ranking happens later. Pick your favorite candidate, sign, and get a friend to sign as well. Then mail it back. And remember that June 11th is the Pick One primary. This message sponsored by Alaskans for Better Elections. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. I'm joined by Jim Kretschman, Sierra Jimenez, and Zuli Petrie. They are representing the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation Summer Work Program for Disabled Youths. Call us toll-free statewide, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550 
or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. I also want to make a short announcement for Alaska Behavioral Health about a great event um, tomorrow, this Thursday afternoon. There will be a block party to celebrate youth, their mental health, and the programs that support their mental health, including Alaska Seeds of Change and the Power Center. It's an Anchorage area community celebration of youth with the crew from Mental Health Advocacy Through Storytelling, West High's You Are Not Alone program, uh, Anchorage Health Department, and Spirit of Youth all attending, plus live music and food trucks. There is a link um, on our website for this. Okay, uh, team, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the employers. I want to know, I mean, who are these employers? And for especially uh, employers out there who may be listening or want to get involved, how do we do that? Uh, Jim, let's start with you. All right. Uh, Well, I do have a list. I hate to read a list. Oh, well, you know, maybe the the types of employers. You maybe don't have to get specifically into it. Well, one of my, I I think one of the coolest ones was the Alaska Wildlife Troopers uh, took on uh, a young man to work there in their shop uh, down in Kenai. Uh, And the program sent me pictures uh, of him uh, out with the Wildlife Troopers on their their skiffs that they go out in. And I thought, boy, that kid got the coolest job for the summer. Uh, you know, other thing, uh, Nana's a big supporter, Norton Sound Health Corporation, uh, Bering Strait Native Corporation. We have, you know, it, it, when you get in rural Alaska, a lot of jobs uh, are available through the, the Native Corporation, uh, different businesses. So they're, they're, they've been big supporters. Uh, really, this is more of a Zuli and uh, mm-hmm. Sierra question. Sure. Sierra, um, who are some of your, your partners to the Southeast Alaska? I think that you nailed it by saying partnership. Um, that's It's really the key to the success with employers is just kind of long-term partnership. Um, but boy, we have, like, like Zuli was saying earlier, we spend a lot of time working with the students and the school district and their teachers to really, you know, figure out what their interests are and what areas they'd like to go into and just really get a good job fit. Um, We have students working at a bookstore. We have students um, working for, you know, uh, a watershed uh, council, a nonprofit. We have people working for city government, state government. Um, It's really all over the place. And and we do year after year work with the same employers, and we're always looking for new employers. yeah, it's it, we're open. It's just really about getting a good job fit be, between the employer and the students. Yeah. Um, Zuli, I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer that as well. But, but before that, I want to take a caller um, calling from uh, Deering. Um, Brenda, welcome to Line One. Oh, thank you for taking my call. I was wondering if um, the people that you help get to decide where they would like to work, or um, does somebody else decide for them? Thank you, and I'll take the answer on the radio. Thanks. Bye. Oh, I appreciate your question, Brenda. Thanks for calling in. Um, 
so uh, great question. Um, what's the what's how do they choose or are they placed? So and anyone um, anyone can take that one. This is Julie. I think it varies by program. Um, we have a set list of employers that encompass maybe 16 or 17 different job sites, and we have a very large age difference between our kids. So in our program, we ask the kids what they're interested in, and we tell them, these are the jobs that we have available. Now, obviously, if the student is 14 or 15 and the requirements are 16 because they have to handle a knife, then we're not going to open that up to our 14 and 15-year-olds, just like sometimes we have jobs. Um, we had one of the doctor's offices here in Bethel. Um, they wanted their employee to be 18 years old because of confidentiality reasons. So we, we, they do have some say in where they go, but the employer also has a say in, you know, we need, because of safety, we need them to be this age or because we can't get them a work permit because of the skills that they have to be able to do, they have to be this age. So we really try to help the kid to fit into a job that they're going to be successful in. We want all of our kids to gain um, as much knowledge as they can from this program and to have that success. Um, so if a kid says, I really want this job, and we know that due to age or skills that they're just not there yet, we try to find them a comparable position and say, you know what, maybe next year we can get you in that job. Sure, sure. Great answer. Um, we're going to take another call here. Looks like we have Christine is calling from Fairbanks. Welcome to Line 1, Christine. Hi, thank you, Dr. Clark, and and guests for listening. Um, I have um, some questions and and concerns, I guess. Um, it, first of all, I I want to clarify the the lens through which I'm listening. I'm a public school teacher, a high school teacher in Fairbanks, and I have loved everything that I've heard about this program, um, especially the the fact that it seems like the central value of the program is to build confidence and comfort within children. And as a, uh, especially children who could be underserved for in their community for many different reasons. And I want to ask the, the larger question, it may not be something we can answer on the air, but why, you know, why do we need a program like this? We obviously need it, but to me as a public school teacher, what I hear is that public schools aren't building confidence and comfort in kids, especially kids who are underserved. So, you know, that, that was one thing that I wanted to explore if there's a way for this program to um, in, inform schools, perhaps, of um, what we could be doing to help with those soft skills. Mm -hmm. Would you like me to pause? Let's uh, let's start there. Yeah, let's start there, and you can also, if you have more stuff, we can we can work through email too, just to make sure we have time for for other callers. But yeah, you ask a great question. It's a very broad question, and I wonder if it's not, um, you know, that maybe public schools in this program are are t 
teaching for different things or, or different goals, not that they're complementing each other, maybe not taking away from each other. But uh, Jim, as the as the transition coordinator, please, um, if you could maybe uh, answer Christine's question. Well, boy, that's a biggie. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, boy, I, I do, I'm really, uh, I, I want to be diplomatic. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we have kids that have been affected by COVID. Uh, parent, you know, from what I hear from teachers, because my job is working with school district, you know, that, that teachers are overwhelmed now. They're having to police you know, changing protocols all the time. Who, who's, who has to wear a mask? Who do we test? Oh, someone tested positive. Who do we have to inform? And, and then you have, uh, I think, parental involvement uh, with kids is, is uh, you know, very, very little nowadays. We, we don't, I know growing up, you know, my parents insisted I go out and get a job and and, and work. And I don't know that we're, we're putting that message out there. I don't want to put it all on teachers. Uh, you know, I see, you know, my, I work closely with the Department of Ed and I see the pressure that's being put on schools. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to partner with the school district. Uh, Christine, there are two programs, Family Centered Services and Access Alaska and Fairbanks that are doing summer work up there. So, we do have some some programming up there, um, you know. It, it, it's really, you know, I I work with uh, Zuli and Sierra just because they're here. I work with them all year long. They're uh, Zuli's teaching soft skills in the youth facility up at Bethel for me during the school year. Uh, Sierra's program sale. Uh, is in the schools in Sitka, Ketchikan, uh, and Juneau, uh, you know, partnering and working with teachers with their kids in the classroom, taking them out into the community and, and working together with the school to give these kids an introduction to, to things, you know, this stuff and uh, exploration into careers and things like that. Yeah. You know, and some of the skills to succeed in school are different than skills to succeed in the workplace. But um, Sierra, you know, please, um, if you have any thoughts for Christine, um, feel free to share. I actually, thank you. I was I was hoping to jump in, but Jim, you were just touching on it because I, I totally understand your question. But to me, it's about our partnership with the schools and the collaboration. And, it you know, it does take a village. Uh, and so we wouldn't be successful as a nonprofit organization running this program, if it wasn't with the really close work we do with the school district um, and and be able to really hone in on individuals' needs and skills. And um, so to me, it, it's just a win-win and about partnership and not about the school not doing their job. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Zuli, any comments as well? Yeah, and I actually am a special ed teacher, and I've been a special ed teacher for, I don't want to give away my age, but almost 20 years now. And um, and like Jim was saying, I teach these skills throughout the year um, in another program that is offered. So my kids get soft skills instruction. The thing about our program that really makes it different and apart from being in the school and providing that confidence in a school setting is that we 
provide daily prompting and coaching, the repetition that the kids need to be successful. I mean, for six weeks, we are checking in on them, making sure they make it to work. When problems arise, we are there for all 36 kids to help them figure out what the best course of action is, what they should do, or what is going to need to happen differently next time. And let's face it, as educators in the classroom, we already have so many things that we are trying to touch on, including those vocational skills um, and transition opportunities. But this is far more intensive because we're not sitting there trying to teach the basics and regular general academic instruction that's needed. We are focused on soft skills. We are focused on independence and having the skills that they need to be successful to be able to hold down a job. And so it's very different than our in-school instruction. And um, we still teach some of these skills in school, at least I do, throughout the year. But this is like an intensive program where they're really hitting the ground and receiving a tremendous amount of support. And I hope that helps clarify things. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, do we still have you on the line? Yes. Um, did this kind of answer your question, or did you have a follow-up for us? Well, it, no, it, it helped to clarify a lot. Um, you know, I, um, I've also been a classroom teacher for 20 years, and, um, you know, I just always like to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. You know, so if kids are unprepared for things, instead of focusing on, well, what happened with the kid or what sort of choices are the kids making? Like you all said, it takes a village, you know, so what sort of choices or directions are, are um, being supplied by, you know, the larger system within, within which the kid works. And, and so your answers helped so much. Uh, thank you again so much for a program like this. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling in. Um, Jim, let's, let's keep going with the employers because, and, and I'll open this up to all of you guys, of course. But um, I guess the first question is for employers out there who may say this is just too big of a burden for me to take on, what, what's your answer to that? I mean, what's the, what's the opportunity, what's the benefit to the employer to incorporate uh, or work with your program? Well, I think there's a number of, uh, of benefits. One the easy one is you get an extra hand and it doesn't cost you anything, at least monetarily. Uh, we cover workers' comp. We cover the, the student's salary, things like that. You know, where that partnership comes in is the business is agreeing to train the student. And then, of course, you've got Zuli and Sierra that are there to support both the student and the employer to come in and and ask the questions, how's he doing? Really, well, what can we do to improve? And then being able to address that, you know, with the student and, and help them overcome, you know, obstacles or barriers they're having at work. Excellent. Um, you know, and uh, Zuli, do you want to add anything to the benefit to the employer? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so basically, when we're first making contact with an employer, we are there and we're telling them, you know, not only is it that extra pair of hands, but we're giving you 145 hours of 
paid training. You know, our ultimate goal when we tell our employers is we're hoping that you're going to love our kids so much by the end of this program that you're going to offer to keep them on part-time after our program is over. Some of our businesses that have been with us have been with us for, you know, five years because they see so much success out of our students. In fact, you know, we have a kid that has been employed at the grocery store now for five years since he did this program with us a long time ago. Um, some of our employers aren't in a position to retain our students after due to age requirements that they've lowered to be able to have our kids in the program. But we've even had kids come back that maybe they were 17 and they had to be 18 that, you know, the next summer when they finished with school, they went back to the same employer. So our employers definitely see the benefit. And I'd say, you know, a large majority of our kiddos, when it's possible, are retained into their programs after. Um, but it's, it really is, I mean, it's no loss to the employer because any time that there's a problem, we are there. I mean, if there's, even if it's a small problem, like the student didn't call in to work. I mean, we're there, we're correcting it. And there have been the times that our kiddos have overslept and I'm at the door picking them up and driving them to work after just to make sure that they get there so that they can explain to their employer what happened and see what do they need to do to rectify the hours. Because in essence, our employers count on our kids. Our kids are scheduled in and it's important for our kids to understand, you know, if there are three people that are supposed to be working at the movie theater tonight and you don't show up and you don't call in, that really puts a pinch on if you were supposed to be working the door taking tickets. Sure. Now they have to find someone else. So, you know, really the practical situation, the fact that they are actually employed there. If there's a uniform, our kids are given uniforms. We had a kiddo a couple years ago that worked for the city of Bethel at the Port Authority. They bought him steel-toe boots and a jacket. That way he could do his job correctly. I mean, they truly are invested in our kids. And we love the fact that our employers are reaching out to us and other employers are reaching out to us saying, hey, we want to be part of that program or we used to be a part of that program. We want to get involved again. Um, absolutely. Um, and real quick, we have to take another quick break and uh, there's just so much more to get to that we won't get to. But Jim, um, in, in, a, in a minute or less, um, how much are the employees, the students making, where does that money uh, come from, the employer or from you? Uh, the money is 1034 an hour, so minimum wage, uh, and it comes from DVR. Okay, so the employers are not paying for the um, are not are not paying for the students the the state is paying for the students there is no monetary cost to an employer but you know the the agreement is that they're providing the training they're willing to to work with the student willing to work with our programs uh, to help that student become successful great great so just lowering the barrier there great um, okay, we're going to take our quick break, second break. You're listening to Line 1, Your Health Connection. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call statewide, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433. After this short break, we will continue our discussion on the DVR Summer Work Program. 
You're listening to Line One from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line One on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a free 24-7 confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Alaska Natives. Help is available by calling or texting 1-844-7-NATIVE or using the chat icon at strongheartshelpline.org. This message is sponsored by the Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. I'm joined by Jim Kretschmann, Sierra Jimenez, and Zuli Petrie. They are representing the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation Summer Work Program for Disabled Youths. Call us statewide, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433. Or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Uh, also, again, short announcement for Alaska Behavioral Health about a great event uh, tomorrow, Thursday afternoon, a block party to celebrate youth, their mental health, and the programs that support their mental health, including Alaska Seeds of Change and the Power Center. It's an Anchorage area community celebration of youth with the crew from the Mental Health Advocacy Through Storytelling, West High's You Are Not Alone Club, Anchorage Health Department and Spirit of Youth, all attending, plus live music and food trucks. There is a link on our website. Um, okay, let's get right back into it. We have a call from Kristen calling from Anchor Point. Welcome to Line 1. Thank you. Um, I was wondering uh, about uh, uh, youth that are have been sucked into drug and alcohol, especially drugs. Uh, especially if they're engaging in the more criminal aspects like running the drugs for adults and selling them to their peers. Uh, do you work with them, or is that a separate uh, division and unit that tries to get them cleaned up and back into the workforce, the regular workforce? Thank you for your call, Kristen. Uh, Jim, uh, is this separate or uh, tied in somehow? Oh, it's, uh, you know, kids that are involved uh, in substance abuse, uh, we consider that a disability. Uh, Kids that are involved in foster care, uh, OCS, uh, have been involved in the juvenile justice system. A lot of times, you know, we have the substance abuse there. Uh, That all falls under our category. And so, uh, we do serve uh, we do serve them too. Excellent. Okay, thank you for your comment there. Um, we have about ten more minutes, and there's a couple of of things I would really like our guests to comment on. And and the first is the idea of the peer mentor, because that was uh, something I found very interesting in our in our pre call. Um, uh, Sierra, maybe you can start with that. What what is the peer mentor, and why is it important? You bet. Um, the, the, I think that the peer mentor is, you know, really one of the best parts of the program or, you know, credit the success of the program to the peer mentors. So a peer mentor is built into the program um, and that you hire a a person, a young adult that is, you know, within 
you know, six years of the student's age. So, you know, or they could just have graduated um, high school and they work side by side with the youth and they um, really just model what good work behavior is. And they're like somebody that maybe the students can really relate to better or open up to more, um, develop a relationship with, and again, just model what good work behavior looks like. And I found we found, we found it very very successful. Okay, so it's maybe students who have been through the program and have succeeded and come back to kind of help and talk with the other children about their success. Absolutely, we have definitely had peer mentors come back that were part of the program that um, became peer mentors, and and new and youth there you know coming right back from college after their first year and wanting to be a part of the program as well. Yeah. Um, Zuli, any comments about the peer mentor program? Um, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. And we, too, have had some of our kids that were successful in our program that have come back to be peer mentors. It, it's really great, especially um, when kids have social disorders and anxiety and they have difficulty talking with us because I'm a teacher and they see me as a teacher and they know because they've seen me in the schools, so when they have someone else that they can confide in that's, you know, around their own age, sometimes it's a little easier for some of our kiddos. No, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's, let's, um, I would like to hear a couple of the success stories that you guys have had um, and maybe share with our listeners, you know, what, what some of these successes are. So um, whoever wants to start, um, you know, Zuli or Sierra, please uh, share with us one or two of your success stories. Um, this is Zuli. We're both. So yeah. yeah, who's going to go first? We'll, we'll, we'll take Zuli first. <laughs> um, so I think our biggest has to be, you know, our kiddo that he's worked at the grocery store now for five years, and he holds a kind of an upper-level job because he's been there for so long. And, and he started in our program, and there were some bumps and some rough edges, and he really struggled in school, had a lot of difficulty in school. But I think another one of ours is we work hand-in-hand with the Bethel 4-H, and one of our students um, stayed on last summer and then went to Washington, D.C. with 4-H for a national 4-H leadership convention. And had he not been in our program and showed his leadership skills there in their summer camp last summer, then that wouldn't have been an opportunity for him. And we're just super excited that you know, he still can work with the program and also learn and grow from the program. Um, last summer, we had seven kids out of our program that kept their job from our program. And so we're really excited about that. In the last few years, we've had over five every summer. So I call every one of those a huge success that they were able to keep working. But I think, you know, all of our kids show some kind of success when they complete the program because they've all gained so much over where they started. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Sierra, what's, what's some of your Southeast success stories? So many, but I have to echo just uh, completing the program is a success to start with. Um, you know, one of 
one of the success stories I think of was the school district had reached out to us about a young man, a senior, and he wasn't looking like he was going to be able to graduate. And they were just asking how we could collaborate, what could we do. And so before the summer work program even began, uh, SAIL started working in the schools with a specific student on those soft skills and job site tours and really trying to just pique his interest and and life after school. And through that, we were able to set up a work experience in the doing the summer work program at the library, which nobody would have ever thought um, that that would be a track for the student. Um, and But he just kept saying that he liked quiet so he could think, I, I like a quiet space. And so we're like the library. And that, I believe, was four years ago, five years ago, and he is still employed there today. And, you know, he it's a small town that I live in, so I see him often, and he always tells me, he thanks me, and you know, I just like, wow, it wasn't me, this was you. But uh, that's a that's a great success story that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jim, do you have any any what you want to share? Well, I don't really have much contact. Every now and then, someone will pass along something. I think the one that really struck me. Uh, one of the kids up in Nome uh, did summer work. Uh, then he got an internship following that doing uh, uh, mechanic work up there in Nome. And he decided that he would apply for, and he got a job as a mechanic for the National Guard up in Nome. And he was the first Native American to get a job working for the National Guard, full-time employment. And then he, uh, he was just, I mean, they were telling me how successful it was, how excited the whole village was that, you know, that this had happened and that he had caught on this career trajectory. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now, I guess it's job dependent, um, but um, how long is the summer work program? Is it, is it by week or, um, you, you know, just tell a little bit about the nuts and bolts there. Well, we, when we begin, we start out by sending an invitation to all the school districts and all the community agencies in Alaska that work with youth, inviting them to uh, present us with a proposal of how they'd like to run their summer work program. And so from that, we choose what programs we're going to fund. Uh, luckily, <laughs> we're able to fund all of them, all 17. So uh, that's good. Uh, but each program designs their program around what they can do, the clients they're serving. So some may be in the community, individual jobs, uh, kids. Uh, some programs may work with kids with severe behavioral problems, and they work more in a crew. Uh, I think of Fairbanks Family-Centered Services there has some uh, kids with severe disabilities, and so they work at a crew, but programs are required to run from four to six weeks, just depending. A lot of school districts choose four weeks because teachers in rural areas leave and go home, so they'll run a short program. But really, it's really program community dependent on how they choose to do it, but it's got to fall within four to six weeks. Okay. Well, with our last uh, few minutes here, if you um, are a parent or um, or a youth that wants to, to get involved or a parent wants their child to get involved, or if you're an employer who's interested in being involved, 
How does that happen? Where do people go? Uh, I want to let people know we put some links on our Line One website um, to the program. But uh, Jim, maybe given uh, how do people get involved? Uh, I would suggest going to the links. The links I provided can hook you up. Uh, you'll find my contact information there, and you can get hold of me. I can direct you. If you're uh, a business, I can get you directed to programs that are operating. Uh, we're always looking for more business involvement. I think we have incredible business involvement, but we can always use more to give the kids different opportunities. Uh, so really contacted me and find out what's going on. Absolutely. Um, Sierra, Zuli, just uh, we have about a minute each, but um, please, any closing thoughts that you have or want to get across to our listeners? We'll, we'll start with you, Sierra. No, I mean, I just really I'm grateful that you asked me to be a part of this program because it's a real uh, gem for for us and Southeast Alaska Independent Living. Um, and I guess just, you know, the importance of success um, for these youths and heading into adulthood and the confidence that a successful job with support, the need that maybe the little extra needed support will make for the rest of their life. And so I do, I find that this is a real life-changing program. Um, and I'm so grateful to vocational rehabilitation for, you know, making it possible. Absolutely. Zuli, closing thoughts. Yeah, exactly what Sierra just said. I just want to encourage, encourage parents and kids that are listening, um, you know, participate, get involved. You're not going to regret it. Not only will you end up at the end of the summer with a paycheck and money to spend, it's, it's pretty good money. It's 160 paid hours at more than $10 an hour. But what you're going to learn from it, the relationships that you're going to make, not only with adults, but with your peers and employers, you know, really can last a lifetime. And, and we have kids that, you know, stop us all the time, you know, that have graduated. Remember when I was with your program or, you know, I have my job now because of what I learned when I was with you and, and I learned how to communicate. So please, please, if you're hearing this and you're not doing anything, find a program near you. If you're 13, 14, 15 this year, look to see what kind of programs are in your area next summer. And if there's not a program, tell your teachers, hey, you need to get in touch with this guy at DVR and, <laughs> and set us up a program for next summer because I'm sure Jim would love to take on a few more programs. Well, thank you, Zuli. I want to give special thanks to our guests for being with us today. Thanks to our audio engineer, Toby, uh, sorry, uh, Tobin Shelby, and our producer, Adeline Baxter. You can find more information on this and previous programs on our website at alaskapublic.org. Let us know your thoughts or suggestions, emailing us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. This has been Line 1, Your Health Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Stay safe, Alaska. Line One is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants, and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Learn more about Line One and listen online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.